You're listening to a Sam podcast. Sam acknowledges and pays respect to the traditional custodians of the Shepparton region on whose land Sam is located, the Yorta Yorta peoples and their elders past, present and emerging, and extends that respect to any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples listening. Hello, my name is Lisa Linton. I'm the Public Programs Officer at the Shepparton Art Museum, or Sam. Today on the podcast, we will talk with Pink Ember Studios co-founders Aaron and Aoife Billings. Aaron and Aoife have been involved with Sam's virtual public programs this year, delivering workshops in comic making and embroidery over Zoom, whilst various restrictions are in place. Both have impressive experience as visual arts teachers and as practicing artists. And today, we also speak on their artist-run initiative, Pink Ember Studios. Pink Ember Studios is a queer-run cooperative of artists creating space for artists to make and sell work and be part of a vibrant community. Aaron and Aoife co-founded Pink Ember with artists Gemma Flack and Francis Cannon in 2018. Today we find ourselves meeting over Zoom in the current lockdowns of Victoria. Hi Aoife, hi Aaron, how are you? Hi Lisa. Hey Lisa, yeah good. (laughs) Where are you joining us from today? We're at Pink Ember in Kovac, Melbourne. Finally at the studio again. Great. Well, I thought we would start this podcast today with each of you introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your practice. So Aaron, do you want to go first? Okay. All right. Well, I'm, I'm Aaron Billings. I've been a practicing artist for about 10 years now. You know, obviously before that, I was still making stuff. I'm a comic artist and textile artist mainly, but I also have recently gotten into script writing and performance work. I just did my honours in fine art at Monash last year. Very lucky that I got it out of the way before the pandemic hit. And my honours was focused on looking from below and queer perspectives and sort of, yeah, trying to find connections queering the family unit and stuff like that, but also kind of just about comics. Like I like just observational stuff. Great. Um, Yeah, so I'm Aoife. Um, I've come from a textile and fashion background. So I've been trained in fashion school with a bachelor and I've really disowned that kind of whole world in the past couple of years, and I'm doing a lot more painting and ceramic work. I still fabric paint, um, and that's a really nice way to still connect with that kind of side of me. But um, yeah, embroidery and fabric painting is really the kind of thing that I've taken away from that whole period of my life. Really trying to explore what it means to be an artist that isn't making clothing, which was part of my identity for a really long time. We used to have a fashion label called Bats of Leisure that we worked on together and it just, yeah, we learned a lot about the fashion industry that made that very impossible to maintain and also we just felt like we were contributing to something that was kind of unethical and also sort of very mean-spirited in many ways as well. So So It's a world that it's very tough to be in and I really, really love making clothing in a lot of ways but just the, the culture and the, the creating products when we're kind of in this time of the world where we really don't need to be making a lot of products. I didn't feel 
as um, driven to produce things. So I'm more interested in making artwork on it by itself rather than making it within clothing. So your practices, it sounds like your practices have definitely evolved throughout the years. And one of the reasons being that, you know, you've learned more about the industries that you work in and you've adapted a lot, especially to teaching and teaching yeah. others how to do what you do in their own way. So Aaron, you were a bit of a guinea pig for us at SAM with your virtual workshop, the Everyday Comic Series that you taught online over Zoom. But both of you have been teaching um, separately and as a duo online and offline for quite some time. So can you share with us a bit about your challenges, but also the rewards of teaching, especially during this time? Oh, well, during this time has been very unprecedented, as he's uh, <laughs> talked about. The slogan goes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, before this, I mean, maybe I can talk about it before this and you can talk about it now. Sure. Um, before this, we, we really, we had a lot of um, good opportunities with like uh, Signal and Casey Council to develop workshops where we could like, you know, have people come back week on week and um, really sort of like improve their skills with embroidery and textile art. But then we also try to like create our own workshops and like promote them and without the help of councils and without the sort of like um, subsidizing of the cost, that became pretty difficult for a while. We had to um, cancel a lot of workshops because we couldn't get over eight workshop participants for a while. Being able to have workshops accessible to people with lower incomes is really important to us. Yeah. And we really liked being able to do that through councils and we're really lucky at the moment to mm. be being supported by Moreland Council to run some series that are subsidised. So that really, it, it means that it, it pays the artists um, who may be us, but it also might be people we bring in to teach at Pink Ember. So yeah, that was like the main, mm. the main struggle for COVID was trying to make sure that these workshops were accessible to people, but also be able to pay artists and ourselves um, a fair wage. Exactly. There was like that real sort of balancing act of like wanting the, the workshops to be as affordable as possible for people. So as many people could do them as possible, but then also trying to pay ourselves a living wage while doing it, which yeah. was uh, tricky. Yeah. Um, that's good. Um, I guess that ties in also with with uh, COVID because mm. that's we, when we started doing these pays you feel it's been a lot easier over the internet because there's less restrictions about how many people can be in the space mm -hmm. and we adapted quite a few of the workshops to be multiple like you know up to thirty people especially for Francis's workshop um, and Aaron's comic workshops they were able mm -hmm. to have a lot more people which is pretty exciting. Um, being able to yeah connect with more people but maybe you know maybe not as in depth as in person unfortunately but that's definitely a pro of going online yeah it's such a it's a tricky space because on one hand you know you really value that um, being in a room with all the participants different walks mm. of life coming together um, to enjoy you know learning a new skill or being creative but, you know, some accessibility issues. And then on the other hand, online teaching is brought in such a revolutionized way of, 
of connection and being with others. So I was actually really pleasantly surprised with, you know, the value that I gained from your workshops, Aaron, because I still felt that sense of community, even though, you know, everyone was joining from different places. I just, it was quite yeah overwhelming how how lovely the atmosphere still was and you know how people can still bond well that's great i mean that's like part of the joy of running a comic workshop is that not only do you get to be in the same space as people but you also get to like experience how other people see the world what they find funny um and you can find that sort of relief together with like you know empathizing with what people find funny or interesting in their own lives makes you feel a bit a little bit less alone so you touched a bit on your philosophies and the work that you're doing at pink ember do you want yeah. to just talk a little bit more about the motivations behind creating pink ember and and what pink ember stands for yeah um so pink ember really started for a couple of reasons, Aaron and I were in a studio with Francis Cannon and we got talking about how we hadn't found a studio space that really made us feel welcome as queer and women um, people. So we really wanted to make our own space and Aaron and I were teaching, trying to teach workshops from mm -hmm. at that studio space and wanted a dedicated spot for that. So we thought, hey, let's, let's create our own workshop, studio space. And then that also evolved into a shopfront and gallery. So the basic idea is that the whole space is self-sufficient. So yeah. it's paid by studio rents. And then there's a shopfront that we take a really small commission. So we're all volunteers. And so the whole idea is that it's kind of a, a community that keeps afloat. And yeah. yeah, it's like a not-for-profit artist-run space. And yeah, it's been really, really great to be able to just sort of, yeah, put our values into a space, have a physical manifestation of our values. We've all been uh, sc uh, screwed around by the art world in many ways, you know, taken advantage of. And we want to create a space run by artists for artists where you're not going to get screwed around. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely an important thing not to be screwed around, that's for sure. <laughs> um, so it sounds, I mean, I've been to Pink Ember. Aoife kindly invited me over and it's such a beautiful space. There are no walls between the studios. Everyone's kind of in this big room all together. Do you find that, you know, you get a lot of inspiration from the other artists practices or there must be perks to working so closely I mean pre-COVID obviously with mm. your peers I think the culture of coming in you know nearly every day mm. we have a lunch break together in the courtyard where it you know the two two upstairs and downstairs meet yeah having having that almost accountability almost of like coming in what you know prioritizing your art and the there being other people there doing the same thing. I think that's really the main thing that's influenced me. You know, being an artist can be quite alienating. Um, a lot of the work that you do is just sort of either at home or, you know, you're sort of squirreled away. You don't really, there's no sort of unions really for artists. It, sometimes it doesn't really feel like a real job. So it's rewarding to 
be in a space with other artists, you know, other weirdos who are trying to live like making things. That's very, I find that very inspiring. Mm. Um, it's, and it's just really interesting seeing how all of our artists differently, you know, go about that process of trying to survive as artists. And in terms of being inspired by people in the studio, I've always, like I get very inspired by people. Elwyn Murray, who's one of the artists who has a studio with us upstairs. We're working on an embroidery show together. I've organized exhibitions with a lot of them. So it's great. It's great having people that you can work with close by. <laughs> so so I, I wanted to ask a bit more. Um, you touched base on the fact that you didn't feel welcome in other Melbourne studios because of, you know, identifying as LGBTQIA plus or, you know, being female. Can you talk a little bit about how, you know, working with with councils, with clients, have you found you need to adjust your work or adjust your practice in any way? We've definitely had to, like you've had to adapt what is in the background of your... Well, yeah, I do a lot of nude um, work, like sex work. Um, so, um, but I also do lots of other things so I can, I can adapt. It can be a bit more work to have to censor yourself like that a little bit, I guess, but it's also, you know, that's what I've been doing all my life. And I think that's what being an artist is kind of about is about adapting to situations. So, um, I think I've learned a lot through, um, doing council work and also doing workshops with children and stuff in how to adapt my, my work to a more child-friendly audience. And that hasn't been a bad thing. Just means I have another skill. <laughs> Being adaptable is definitely a skill. That's for sure. You just don't want it to be so adaptable that you lose your, your message or your you know, train of thought that you're trying to express through your art. Mm, I guess Pink Ember is a really good place where we don't have to do that. Mm. So, yeah, we can we can get real funky here. Be yourselves. That's great. <laughs> okay, um, I might wrap up the podcast here. Do you have anything else you'd like to finish up on? At the end of October, we'll be teaching a, a embroidered patch workshop with Sam. Um, you'll be able to do some patches for loved ones and you know post them especially if they're if you're still in lockdown they can have a little charm for safety and love from you so i'll be teaching that later on yeah and then also we've got a workshop program coming up so we'll be running um some workshops from is it from november to february yeah, it will be during the university holidays. During the uni holidays. So keep an eye out for that. Um, and there'll be pay as you feel, as we said. So. Well, I have um, tremendously enjoyed working with you both. And thank you so uh -huh. much for sharing um, a bit about your practice process and your work at Pink Ember with us. And I'm very, very so very excited to be launching these workshops with you Aoife which will as she mentioned run over October and November and they are free and you can access them on the SAM website so thank you both and oh, thank you, Lisa. speak soon see you bye, bye.
Thanks for listening to another SAM podcast. Learn more about current projects at SAM by joining us on social media at SAM underscore Shepparton or visit our website at www.shepparton.artmuseum.com.au. We hope to see you virtually or at the museum soon.